another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast. Only five games to uh, go now. Thank goodness for that. After yesterday's, uh, I couldn't call it a debacle. It finished at Ashton Gate. Uh, Bristol City won. Peterborough won, but you've got to look at it in the context. It was the bottom of the table side, two of the worst defences in the league. No fest of goals there. Not a great game. Joining me this morning are Mark, Ian and uh, Neil. Morning, chaps. So we uh, had time to reflect on yesterday's uh, game at Ashton Gate. And anybody see what the attendance was? What's, what was the uh, published attendance? Or have they not? 17,000 is some odd. Well, I don't believe that. I would say it's closer to about 15 and a half myself, but there we go. Anyway, as we usually do, chaps, I'll come to you first, Neil. Just a quick sort of 30 seconds reflective thoughts on uh, the match against Peterborough. Well, it was one of those games like uh, Barnsley at home that we were expected to win. Um, we started flat. Peterborough were a much better team in the, in the first half. Can somehow... Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear yeah, Peterborough, much a better oh, side for about 20, 25 minutes. Then we got the goal. And then I thought second half would kick on, particularly after going down against 10 men, because we were much better going to a back four in the second half. And uh, it was just a very flat game, wasn't it? And I don't understand Peterborough. What's, what's the point for Peterborough? Why didn't they actually go for it at 1-1? I know they're down to 10 men, but they needed three points. So they didn't go for it, and we looked like we were on the beach. So... Yeah, all in all, a bit of a flat game, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Mark, uh, your thoughts, brief overview of the game? A gutsy performance from a team that have struggled all season, but that's enough about Peterborough. And a game where City were bereft of creativity, they were one nil up and faced with 10 men, there could only be one winner. But that lack of creativity and any mentality that showed, showed that they want a win resulted in a one-all draw and season ticket holders are likely to vote with their feet in the summer and will be down from the 13,000 season ticket holders by at least a quarter on this display. And Nigel Pearson giving up the ghost. There seems to be no hope right now. No, you're right, Mark. And uh, Ian, uh, my Nigel giving up the ghost. I don't know whether, like me, you noticed he spent the last 20 minutes just sat on his butt in the training area. But your thoughts on the game and just picking up on that last comment that I made. Well, firstly, I never, I never look at um, what Pearson's doing during the game. I've got absolutely no interest in that kind of thing. But I'm on the other side of the pitch, I suppose, in the dolmen. I know you're in the south stand. Uh, before the game, uh, our last six at home, we'd won three, drawn one, lost two. So we had a 56% uh, points rate. Um, and uh, it, I beg your pardon, looking at the wrong way. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um I think what I saw of the game yesterday was two very poor sides. I mean, we were, before the game, we were the two worst teams in current form um, in the league. And it, that's exactly what it looked like. There was very, very little quality on display from either side. I thought Peterborough were a much better team in the first half. Uh, the sending off was correct. Uh, but the only good thing I can say that came out of the game is that Semenyo came back on and looks pretty fit. And we got a point instead of losing. Um, and it's another point towards survival this season. And at present, I want people to tell me why we're not going to get relegated next season. What's going to happen to change it? Because 
we've got all the signs of a team in free fall. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely right. And somebody put the uh, league table without the points deduction and it would be a bit squeaky bum time. I mean, I bought very squeaky bum, not a bit. I put on uh, Twitter yesterday when I was previewing this podcast, I said, look, this is one game that I expect to get three points from. And I know you shouldn't ever do that in the championship. But if you look at how we played yesterday, look at the remaining five games, you know, and we're going to struggle to get that 50 point mark because Stoke City away, that's not going to be easy. Sheffield United at home, they're still going for it. I know Derby are all but down now, but you know they're not going to roll over because they will want to engender the support of their fans. Uh, Hull at home is a game that we should get something, maybe. But that's our, the, that Hull at home game is the, the final game of the remaining five. Okay, Huddersfield away on the last day, but I think that's well, not, the after they, not after they beat Middlesbrough away yesterday. No, they did. Yeah. no you're right. You're yeah. right. But that's the only, but prior to yesterday, I thought Peterborough and Hull, those are the only two games where I would expect points. So the other matches, which includes the Sheffield United game, I'm not expecting anything. So we could end up, but we might get one, two more points, two draws from the last five games, but you just can't see where the next win is coming from when they line up, uh, when, 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 when they put in the lack of effort like they appeared to do yesterday. Uh, Neil, the, the starting lineup, um, Joe Williams came back in. Um, it was Alex Scott playing at right wing back, Jay on the left. Uh, same old up front, Chris Martin. I thought he did okay yesterday. Um, Vyman, yeah, I thought he ran around a lot, was very unlucky. He did a good volley just over and would have scored had that blow not chopped him down. But uh, would you have expected anything other than what started, uh, Neil, or yeah, was it was it was it predictable? I d- I didn't see he had any other options really, other than bringing in to the team some of the players that he doesn't really like. He must have thought. Semenyo wasn't fit enough for the entire game, but he certainly looked fit enough when he came on. And I I disagree with Pearson's comments after the game about the subs not having an impact. Because I thought Semenyo had an impact when he came on and added a bit of pace and power and at least ran at them. Um, but Joe Williams wasn't fit, was he? You could just Well, you he could was, just I mean, him and him and James in midfield, it was, you know, it it, it it was so pedestrian. That's another word that's been that's been used a lot about uh, City, but yeah, no, there was nothing. There was absolutely Well, the first the there. first half as a as a back, you know, the three centre-backs, they obviously pulled them wide. They pulled Cundy wide and he looked really really uncomfortable. Atkinson looked like he'd picked up a bit of a groin strain halfway through the first half and then scored and obviously felt like he wanted to stay on. But what they were doing was hitting the long ball in the air and then the midfield runners were picking up the second ball. And there was a couple of times when Smodic went through and they're looking and you've got Williams and James about 20 yards behind the play. They weren't tracking the midfield runners in the in the first half at all. And um, yeah. I knew he had to change something and thought, well, who's he got on the bench? Well, he's got Viner. Well, he doesn't trust Viner, but what else can you do in that situation? No. Well, we looked better when we went back to a back four. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean... Well, somebody said about Viner, three of his first four touches were were wayward, you know? So, uh, so well, no surprises in the lineup for well, you. What do you what, well, I hate to interrupt your conversation, but what do you expect Viner to uh, be like? Well, no, we know kids, that. We know kids that. not kids not kicked a, kicked a ball in months. No, you're right because he's not playing. He knows, he, he knows he's not wanted, so he's hardly mm-hmm. going to be full of motivation. 
No. So, and this is the problem when you when you isolate people, and you yeah. then you bring them in and say, right, have a great game. And I think the point on Semenya, I'd agree that I'd love to see him start, but I don't think he was fit enough to do that. So we had to take no. the choice, probably yeah. play him for the first half and then take him off to avoid him doing his knee again. Uh, and you know, if we'd have done that, we might have been two 0 up. But we all know what what the word if means. Um, yeah. We played yesterday, Peterborough. They're the, they were on current form. They were the, they had eleven percent points rate in their last six games away from home. Mm. They've been dreadful all season, and in the first half they were much the better team. Yeah, and I know we went in one 0 up, and it was a good goal. All right. But, I mean, I, mean, I come to let's just stick to the uh, shape of the side, and I'll talk to you about the first goal in a second. And just wanted Mark's view on the uh, on the starting lineup and the substitutions when they came. You know, why why take Naki off? Why not give Chris Martin a rest, for instance? You know, and uh, was Cundy unlucky to come off if Atkinson had pulled that uh, groin, as people thought? You know, what what were your thoughts on the lineup, uh, Mark? Well, for for a player with <laughs> With more than questionable fitness issues, I do not understand why we, why Williams started the game. I mean, Semenya wasn't fit to start the game. I mean, Williams, he just doesn't have the the energy. I we thought I thought we we bring him back back slowly, starting from the bench. Why oh why did he start? And he showed just didn't have the energy, and he he was playing on top of the defence. And James just made no impression at all. The problem we got is that. We have to put, we we have to fit somebody in it, it, it it's uh, on it, it right wing back, so you know it's a turn of the Tom Bowler. This week it's Alex Scott, which meant he's anonymous. The other problem is because he, he he's not a natural defender, he can't he doesn't cover the right centre back position very well, which means it leaves us vulnerable there. Hence, Cundy's under pressure uh, for that for that ball in in behind when Scott's out of position. So James and Williams were, were were awful. Scott didn't want to take his man on on the right. It may have been better with Vyman there. So he made the switch at half time. Looked much better with a four, but still, throughout the game, had no control whatsoever against the team, like Ian said, who were awful at home. And we, awful we, they were yeah. they were much the better side. For three quarters of the game, they had higher possession stats. That's yeah. embarrassing. And that's the problem, that we didn't have any control. I mean, we got a lack of midfield bodies. Masengo came on and did all right, although he was responsible for the uh, the free kick that led to the goal. But all round, it, it's just shambolic. And the yeah. problem is, it's just a mentality. It's the mentality. Yeah. All right, let's come team. on to that, because that's what most of the debate's going to be about, is the, the mindset. Ian, uh, just to, to finish on the, the team selection and what have you... Um, you know, playing Scott out of position, not really wanting to play Viner, as Mendip City has said on here, he's killed Viner's confidence. And also he's saying Cundy won't get a contract, the fact that he was taken off. But you've been an admirer, I don't know if you've seen him play in the flesh yet, of this other right wing back, Zach Bell, yeah, who's got a bit of height. And, uh, you know, should, should he have played one of the youngsters who plays in that position, not like he did with um, uh, Mickey Bell's son, totally out of... Uh, position there but what are your thoughts well, on that my <clears throat> my view um on Zach Bell he's not he's not a big lad I'm, I'm guessing having seen him um seen him play he the, the tallest he'd be would be 5'10 5'9 uh, but then again so was Danny Simpson so and he's got a very good long throw 
which is handy at times. I'm not saying you overdo it, but it becomes Stoke City because we haven't really got the height to do that. But why not give him a game? Um, and you might you might see him play because Pearson alluded to that after the game. Pearson, they they asked Pearson, well, is it a chance to, that you can now bring in some younger players who um, and give them a try? I mean. Well, because he'd already said, well, there'll be some players that won't feature from now to the end of the season. We all know more or less who he means. But his problem is, and we'll come on to this later on, his his problem is, but in, in answer, direct answer to your question, yes, I would have given Zach Bell a chance before playing Alex Scott out of position because that poor kid, he's 18 years old and he normally plays at least two, sometimes three positions in a game mm. in his first full season. Now, to me, that's loopy. Anyway, we'll, right. but, we'll come but, back to that. Know, well, there's lots, we'll, lots, we'll come lots, back lots to of questions. Thing. Lots of questions. Let me come uh, back to you, Neil. We talk about the early stages of the game. JDS put one wide. Wells uh, went really uh, close. I saw it on the replay. Shot behind the goal. He just got his foot to it, but the, the ball was travelling at a pace that his foot just bent away rather than tap it in. But then uh, the, the, the the visitors, you know, were all over us to a point on 28 minutes Fuchs out Ward he beat uh, Ben he went the ball hit Bentley's right hand post then Smodix had a had a shot saved and then missed one Ward had a shot saved um, I heard Chris Honor say after the game they came out they came out from the start more on the front foot than we did didn't they yeah it's a it's a complete inability that we have as a team unfortunately to get on the front foot we just we just don't have the players or perhaps even the mentality without wanting to get into that mentality because we'll cover it. But um, I think they suss that we've got three centre-backs there. I thought Closer actually played quite well yesterday, truth be yeah. told. But I think we, uh, we've we got three centre-backs who've got a turning circle of the Titanic and they put uh, three um, three fast players up against them. And then they thought, well, OK, it's all about second ball. They didn't win too many first balls. Clark Harris didn't win too many first balls. But they just had the runners running past our midfield for the second ball. And they dragged Atkinson wide, Cundy wide, places they're not normally used to being. And, um, yeah, it was it was looking a bit shambolic, wasn't it? And then I thought at that time, Christ, if this is our back three for next season, then um, we're in for an interesting no season, aren't we? Yeah, we got problems. And then the goal, two minutes before the break, I mean, <laughs> it was undeserved, really, wasn't it? But good to see uh, Atkinson uh, score for the second time uh, in in a week, basically, wasn't it? It was a good goal. Well, the the the, um, the thing was, actually, from the corners, I thought the corners last, although there was 11 of them, the corners in the first half, I think we look like we've got a bit more of an aerial threat now, don't we? And Atkinson yeah. in particular... Yeah. Uh, we look a, a little bit more threatening at corners. There was a few corner routines as well where we, you know, we put our left leg in, our left leg out a little bit. We were all running in, all running out, and we tried to play one onto the edge of the box, didn't we? That just didn't quite come off. But it looks like we've been working on corners and actually um, offensively trying to do a little bit more. But it was a fantastic cross by JDS, who actually was my man of the match for City. I thought he, he, I thought he had a very strong game yesterday. Did you compared to a lot of the others? I did. I, the, did. I thought he. I thought that was his poorest game since he got back into it. Okay, um, it's, all, it's all about opinions, Dave. It's all about opinions. No, but, I yeah. listen. I agree. He he wasn't well. Interesting to say who was the worst. Um, Mark, um, 
first half, as I say, we went in front against the run of play, one might argue. Um, I want to ask you about three Peterborough players. One that we had, Smodix, got the pronunciation right for once. Smodix, League One player, yeah, he looked lively. Uh, Clark Harris, a name that has been mentioned as the sort of striker that we could get with our bargain basement money, although we don't appear to have any money now. And Jack Marriott dodged a bullet. Those three there, yeah. What what, yeah. what were your thoughts on them in that first half, particularly? Well, I think Mar- Marriott didn't. Marriott came on his sub, didn't he? Uh, yes, late he did. on, so he did. Um, I mean, uh, Smodix reminded me of it a little bit of um, Jamie Patterson. You know, run, you know, a number of ten, uh, sort of run. You know, he, he was he was running along the back back line, picking up loose balls. You know, he, he does it. He hits the target. We didn't really get a, get a chance, at, much of a chance, at Aston Gate. Made some sub appearances, but never really made an impression against a failing side. But he was he was lively. Lots of lots of pace. And you know, just watching him here, he hits the target a lot, but you know he's not going to take you anywhere. Clark Harris, mm, not not that mobile League One player. Marriott, dodged, yeah, definitely dodged the bullet there. The player who impressed me on their side was Poku, number fifteen. I yeah. think he slalomed his way through in the in, uh, in the first half and and and, sh- and should have scored. He he looked uh, he looked pretty lively. Mm. Um, but like somebody said on the forum, they had a player that anchored their midfield throughout the game, and we couldn't get within fifteen yard, fifteen yards of him. We had nobody to dictate the play. That was the problem. Which is poor when you think we started the game with ostensibly two players that back in August. If you just said, "Oh, we'll start with a midfield of Matty James and Joe Williams," we'd have been thinking, "Yes, please, thank you very much." Okay, Ian, um, quick word from you on the goal, then we'll dive into the second half and uh, get your take <coughs> on uh, the red card. But good, good to see Atkinson score again, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's two goals in two games, which has got to be good for his confidence. Uh, excellent cross by Jada Silva from, for once, a well-worked corner. I, I thought Jada Silva had a, had a good game and he was getting forward a little bit more, which he should do because he can cross the ball and he can pass it and he can dribble. Um, my, my criticism of him is, is he doesn't do it enough. Um, and just one uh, on the, the players you mentioned, uh, Smodix, no thanks. Uh, Johnson, Clark Harris, no thanks. Um, and who's the other fella you mentioned? Uh, Marriott. Jack Marriott. Yeah, Jack Marriott, no thanks. Uh, so, look, it, I, I don't think we've we've got so many. We that game showed up so many problems yesterday, and when when at the end you've got Section eighty two or the ultras. Or, yeah, and, and they're singing, this is embarrassing. And that was probably quite hurtful. Um, there was no language in it, no swearing, but it was probably the truest thing they've sung all season. It was an absolute embarrassment watching that game. And what did they? What were they chanting? This is embarrassing. So yeah. this is embarrassing. All right. This yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> That one, yeah, All it's right. going yeah, to be Latvia's entry in, in next and, year's and, next and, year's and Mark, Eurovision. Quick one, I got to interject, Mark. You put we're reviewing the game today on that OTIP post on March the tenth. That we either we're going forward in time or back in time and reviewing a totally different uh, game. Uh, Ian, um, the, the, it feels the, like March the tenth. Always feels like March yeah. the tenth to me. Yeah, Ian, that 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 diving into the second half. Uh, 
the red card. Weimar would have got his 20th goal of the season if that bloke hadn't taken him out. And it wasn't a pen. I've seen it a couple of times. It was first contact was on the edge of the box, but the right decision. But do you think he'd have got that 20th goal then? Well, you'd hope so. The form he's in. Um, you, you certainly, you'd either want him or Naki Wells going through on that ball. I mean, to me, he looked at least a yard offside when uh, Martin made the header and played it through. Now, I haven't, I haven't watched it back or anything like that, but from where I was, he looked a good yard offside. But anyway, he wasn't given, so we'll say the linesman was in a far better position than I was. Um, and yes, it was a it was a clear red card. The, the minute you do that and you're the last man, you're going, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of the referee today? We haven't seen that one before, have we? Or very, I, I, mean, I, it was the first I don't think the game. referee, I don't think the referee affected the game adversely. And, and that's the first thing I always look at. Has he made any major ricks? Is he an Andy Davis? Has he missed a clear clear penalty? The guy at Bournemouth, uh, Andy Davis against QPR. No, yeah. he didn't do that. So for me, that gets him up in seven territory. Did he try and let the game flow and keep his cards in his pocket? Largely, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that referee will do for me. Yeah. Um, Neil, the, uh, the 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 red card. Do you, do you, do you agree that? Well, not agree. It was a straight red, wasn't it? But I'm sure Vyman would have gone on to score, wouldn't he? Yeah. I'd, going back to the point about the ref, um, I think the stats before the game is that he he's only given out about three and a half yellow cards and no reds all season. And I thought there were a few decisions that. Um, there was a clear elbow by Johnson Clark Harris into Atkinson in the uh, in the first half, right in front of that linesman, and he didn't even book him. He gave a foul, but okay. And uh, when Semenyo was on, and then second half after the red card, I think he he fell into a little bit of trying to even things up a little bit. There were some fifty-fifty challenges and um, some uh, ones that could easily have gone the other way. I'd like to see his stats on how many free kicks he gave to Peterborough in the second half, actually, after the red card, because there was a few, particularly with Semenyo, that, you know, 50-50s, where he's got the ball and he was giving them quite a few free kicks um, in it. But, yeah, definite red card. I agree with um, Ian, because we're both in the dolman. I thought he was half a yard offside, but fantastic flick on by Martin who actually, I thought, won a lot of headers and a lot of flick-ons um, yesterday. And it was a fantastic flick-on, well-read. It was about the only time, really, from Wyman playing his more wide role that he actually made that run in behind, didn't he? That's what we yeah. were crying out for, I think, during the game. Somebody running, you know, doing cross runs from left to right that we just didn't we didn't have. And if you're they're sitting deeper and deeper and deeper, the movement after they went down to the 10 men was really, really poor, wasn't it? We were we were static. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's always difficult to play against 10 men, bizarrely, but uh, we did uh, we did nothing. And I think Ian or uh, uh, Mark, you might have said, why didn't Peterborough go for it? Because one point was no good was no good to them. Uh, no, that was, that was Neil, apologize Neil to some that of the said people. that, Dave. Was it some of the people yeah. that have been sending uh, little... SMSs uh, on the dashboard here. I've missed a whole load of them. Um, and the next one I'm going to pick up, well, the first one I'm going to pick up is from Taze in a minute. But lads, if you're any before that that look particularly interesting. Um, and Mark, I'll come to you for their goal on 65 minutes, set piece and Johnson Clark Harris close range. Nobody went to congratulate him when he slid into the corner flag, much to some fans' amusement there. But uh, another sloppy goal, Mark? 
Yeah, I mean, if Masengo gives away the free kick, sort of 50-50 really, sort of, he's horizontal going into a tackle, but I feel it was a bit of a soft free kick. But it, yeah, it's just, it's about um, 30 yards out to, to the right of centre. It's just tossed into the area. A group of players go for it. It's nodded to the back post. It re- it reminded me a little bit, I think, of the goal that um, we scored against Fulham. That were three players on the back post. There was nobody picking up that ball, and it looked like it was offside. But you know, there's no VAR, uh, no reviews in the Championship. You just got to deal with it. We just didn't. We just didn't defend the ball ball very well. And there we are, conceding another goal. That was uh, on 67 minutes, eight minutes after they went down to 10 men. Just says yeah. a lot, says a lot, really. Yeah, they had a few poor, chances. Poor all round. Yeah, that, Ian, they had a few chances. Hanoa, how did you rate his performance when he came on? He almost got the first goal of uh, what's likely to be a Cashton Gate career ending in the summer. But that shot was going in, had the keeper not tipped it over the top, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of two efforts on target from us out of 20 shots, which screams at you lack of quality. And I thought he did well when he warmed into the game. And it's look, it's difficult for, for these lads that, that Pearson doesn't want to start or he wants to start somebody else instead who's not very good or very fit. That must be disheartening. And it's difficult for them to get up to the speed of the game. Uh, I think it's the best he's played in this. Hello? Yeah, so you died there, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know whether yeah. he's got I missed that all little you men. Just, re- um, just re- repeat what you said. Yeah, just repeat what you said there, Ian, because we lost you for a minute. Everybody lost you for a minute there. I said, I don't know whether he's got all little men running around in his head um, because he's off in the summer, but he hasn't been as good lately as, say, if you take his performance at Preston, where he was absolutely outstanding. Um, he hasn't hit that level very often since. But in my opinion, he must start in midfield. Uh, in central midfield up at Stoke, and we must play three players in central midfield because of all the midfield players we've got, we have we don't have the two, and and th- that can play that role. So when we play three four one two, which is our favoured position, um, we we haven't got two that control that can control the middle of midfield, and we can't manage the ball in any department, apart from passing it backwards or sideways. Uh, we're, we're very, you use the word, I think, pedestrian. Um, my, uh, my, my other phrase, uh, I, I, th- I think pedestrian in the sense we're very slow, we're very unimaginative, and we've got no pace. So I, I think it, it, Pearson's right, and we need to move on to that. Uh, because yesterday's game was was a, a bit of a disaster. I think we all, all agreed on that, apart from the fact we picked up a point. Well, we picked up we a need... point. And even if we'd have picked up all three, you'd have looked at it and thought, you know, if we'd it got a late winner, it was an yeah. unimaginative performance. All right, look, let's yes. get into the uh, stuff. I, I've i got this uh, recording, which hopefully you'll be able to hear it. It's what Pearson said uh, after the game. So hopefully you can hear this. I did test it with Ian. And uh, thanks to, uh, I think it was Ed at Radio Bristol asking the questions. Here we go. Oh, I thought, here we go. <laughs> That's what happens when you try something different, isn't it? Eh? But uh, here we go. All right, let's try this. Play. That's one of the problems for us. We can be good against the good sides and we can be very poor against the poor sides. So 
there you go, that tells you it's nothing to do with technicalities, it's nothing to do with ability in terms of uh, players, it's to do with personalities and, and probably a bit of collective character at times. And that's something that realistically is difficult to change, isn't it? No, no, it's not, because I'll change the players. If they don't want to change, I'll change them. Either that or I'll get changed. And if that happens, then they've still got the same problem. Clubs still have the same problem if they change me. And that is that they're going to have to do something about um, the, the, um, yeah, the, the, almost at times the passiveness of, on everybody. It, it's, a, it's a strange club in that regard. So we've got a lot of work to do as a club. And with what you said in the week about investment in the other summer and not expecting huge wholesale changes, does that present a bit of a problem trying to get that kind of overhaul? No, because, all right, I, you know, you don't mind lie on this, and that is players who need to be better. That doesn't necessarily mean technical, it might mean in other areas. So, it, it, no, it's not about that. I'm not, uh, not somebody who moans about stuff like that. So, um, I'm sure they'll be playing in Division 1 next year, and... You know, 90-something percent will be in the championship, but we've got to make some changes. So is that in terms of... There we go. Got to make some changes. Um, Neil, a lot in that, and that's probably a more direct interview than uh, I would imagine is available on uh, Robins TV. That was Pearson speaking after uh, the, 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 the game. Um he talks almost about the club in as though he wasn't part of the club. They talk about they. I mean, what were your thoughts on the content of uh, what he had to say? I don't know if that's the first time you've heard that. You've probably read extra. Well, I've, I've heard a few interviews with him, and then I think Gregor McGregor put another thing on there, which is on tweeted a, another interview sort of thing. So I, I think there's about three or four interviews with him after the game doing the rounds. Um, collectively... Once you start calling out people's personalities, I think, hmm, oh, where, where are you going with that? You know, when you start talking about personalities, he's right about what he says, but he's had 14 months. I mean, I've always, I've always supported Pearson and, and, I, and I still don't necessarily want to see a change because I just think it's change for change's sake. Um, but the club is so silent, isn't it? Every, the only time we hear anything about what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable is from Pearson, really. You know, that there's no message from the club. There's no vision. There's no, like, this is what we're looking to do in the summer. There's no, uh, the, nothing from John, nothing from Steve, nothing really from Richard Gould, you know. I, I wouldn't expect anything out. from Richard because, you know, I think he is there as a, as a figurehead on the administration and the back office side of things, you know. Well, then you then you need someone else from above Pearson to come out and actually say, no, he's right, things need to change, yeah. if that is the case. The fact that they're not saying anything, you know, without getting into too many conspiracy theories, um, does lead you to believe that it's the same person saying things have to change, and they're not. I, I think he makes a rod for his own back a little bit at the end of last season when he said, you know, if they're not on the bus, I'm going to get rid of them. Well, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen, Nigel. Right? Oh, okay. No, well, and then we go into yeah. and then we go into January again, where he puts these threats, and we've all we've all played or worked with people over the years who make threats. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But they seem a bit empty now, don't they? Because he hasn't been able to get shot of these players, and realistically. 
it's no surprise because they're on big wages and they're not doing the goods for us. Um, so who else is going to take them on? Well, yeah. you know, somebody, somebody might offer to take Naki Wells and pay £7,000 and we're left paying eighteen, nineteen. Well, that's not in our, our benefit, is it? We, well, we, I think we could just write, well, yeah, it, it, the, the finances, I think, you know, Ian is probably the four of us more qualified than any of us but then you've got people with Dave's and others knowledge on OTIB of the finances that you know what if we just let Naki go there's the final year of his contract so we might lose his wages yeah I, do, uh, I just I just think he started to get a little bit personal last couple yeah. of weeks okay and and I and I don't I don't necessarily disagree with what he's saying but there's some things that don't really need to be aired with regards to sort of Calling out people's personalities, you know, well, just say. Calling out. Let me ask. Let me put that question. I'll come with. I say we're gonna go. Well, can I can I just say one point yeah. before what? you move on, Dave? Yeah. Sorry, Hannah Noah Masenga yesterday. His decision making was awful at times. He mm. broke the lines that time where he went through and tried to toe poke from thirty yards, you know, and then he had options to his left and his right. He runs around sometimes. I admire his energy, and I get that. When we have lacklustre midfield of Matty James and Joe Williams not really showing any energy, when Masengo comes on and he's running and he's trying to chase down a keeper from 50 yards or whatever, everybody admires his energy. But he is a bit of a headless chicken, isn't he? He is a well, bit of a headless chicken. Mark, and- let, me, let me put that question to Mark, yeah? Let me put that question to Mark. Uh, Hanoa Masengo, headless chicken, but what about Pearson's comments from your perspective, Mark? Well, Pearson's comments, and we say this almost every week, he's saying exactly what fans are thinking. He seems to be the conscience of the club, which is crazy because he's the manager. The problem with the club is it's very proud of itself. It it loves its high-performance centre, its um, community community trust, its its grounds, all its resources. It's very proud of itself, but the mentality of the club is, and I think to people outside of Bristol, is Bristol City are a soft touch. And that seems to be reflected in the way that we play and the way that the club is run in terms of any hunger or desire to go forward, both on and off the pitch. That's the big problem, that mentality. Now, if the manager's voicing that publicly, then there's a huge problem. Normally, uh, clubs, uh, you know, uh, administrators, uh, directors would say, well, if he's not happy, we've got to get rid of him. Or, we, you know, we've got to come to some mutual, mutual understanding. But can, can, will they do that? Does, does Pearson want to carry on? Does he want to be there? Do the, club, do the club want him? The word about headless chickens, that, that can describe the, the, man, the, the, the management, the administrators, everybody at the club. It's a bit clueless, absolutely clueless, uh, from from the from the top down. Pearson, you know, he signed up for a, a project, a three year project. He has got responsibility for the players that he brought in pre season. Uh, you know, old, old old stages like James King and Simpson, who in retrospect to mistakes could, doesn't yeah. want loan players. Yeah, uh, and the mentality of the players is down to him. He, could, if he wanted to, if if he wanted to play younger players because the, some of the older stages aren't doing it, he yeah. can do that. He, yeah. He's, you know, he's got every right to bring those well, players let, in. Let, let me ask. But that's the problem: the mentality yeah. 
all round. Okay, so there's it's two things shocking. here. There's, there's no organisation, no vision. No, no there's plan. two things here. There's the players on the pitch. There's the players on the pitch. There's the coaching, and then it's the very top, right? But before we sort of pick those things up, Ian, let me ask you: when you look at the side that was out there, and he may comment. I don't know if it was in that clip that some player we can play. You know, we can play well against sides when it suits us. He talks about people turning up, right? Who in yesterday's side would he be having a pop at that wasn't didn't didn't show up? I just I just want to know who does it when they feel like it. Who's he having a pop at from the playing perspective? I think he was <clears throat> probably having a pop at Zach Viner and uh, Joe Williams, but he selected him when he clearly wasn't fit. Or he was he was re- just returning from injury. Now he didn't do that with Semenya. But let me tell you, we, we are. And I've said this for ages. And the phrase I use is, "We're a manby pamby club. <clears throat> we're all corporate cufflinks. Look at us, aren't we marvelous? We're a bit we're a bit pleased with ourselves. And the, the what I see from the team is fear. And we're very passive. Everyone's happy to pass the ball backwards or sideways. No one no one wants to take any risk. And we certainly don't want to go off the field. And that was very evident uh, in for the first 65 minutes against Bournemouth when it was like watching a game of attack and defence. At no point did we decide to give them a game. So here's what I think's wrong. If you're looking at the team, here's what I think's wrong with the team. We can't defend and we can see too many goals. We lack leaders and we have for years. Our midfield can't defend to a man. We can't mark. We can't close down. Our movement is wretched. Our first touch is poor, and that, these are technical things. We've still got far too many injuries in their long term. And the reason Pearson yesterday had four players he signed in that team, he couldn't play the others because we've either had to get rid of them in the case of Simpson, who was completely useless, who he signed after he was on loan here at the end of last year and got injured and didn't play very well. We're scared to hold on to the ball and play. That's where the fear comes in. Our coaches can't get the best out of the players as a team. So the parts are greater than the sum of the team. We can't manage games. We can't manage the ball. We can't manage possession. And overall, there's a complete lack of confidence and belief. So those players go out on on the field. And I think a lot of them are beat before we go out there. And somebody said to me yesterday, some of them aren't trying. I said, it's worse than that because some of them are trying. Mm. And they're just not good enough. So it's been like that for a long time. I agree with the comment saying that the club is, is, loves itself and is a bit pleased with itself. Um, but at the moment, I can only see us moving in one direction. And that's downwards. But believe it or not, over the whole season, there are worse teams in the division. We're the 18th best at home, which is no great achievement. No, no. Um we're the 21st best away. There are actually teams over the season that are worse than us away from home, yeah. which I, I, I struggle and to our think. Away how... form, our away form is our strong suit. I mean, Steve, what, just reading out one of No, them, our away form is our weak suit, Dave. It used to, be our, strongest. It used to be our strong suit up until yeah. October last year, and it had been for about three years. Uh, Steve on here, he said, Pearson is not the problem. He merely highlights who and what it is. He may not be the messiah, but if he's pushed aside, the wet culture at the club will continue <clears throat> and continue. All right, Neil, let me come back to you on that. I mean, 
Pearson, those comments, it's a dig at the Lansdowns. He made it. He had a he had a snapback about six weeks ago after Junior had said, you know, we should be doing better, right? You know, is, is well, is or yeah, is is the problem at the very top? Because look, we lose thirty eight million quid, right? You look mm. at all the finances for the other clubs were published. Yes, half a dozen of them have got parachute payments, but there's three or four clubs in there, probably more than that. I'll say six clubs in there that are better than we are, that their losses are a third of what we are. We can't go on about COVID. We can't go on about, oh, we've not been able to sell the players because of whatever. Yeah. But when are people going to point the finger at the board? or at the management of the club, the next level up. Well, this you and I had a conversation on the phone about this during the week, didn't we? And you know what I'm going to say. You drilled down into our balance sheet and our operating costs before we actually even get to playing budgets or anything like that. Our operating costs are 25 million on the balance sheet. Our turnover is 26. So even before we get to playing budgets, if we had 26,000 in Ashton Gate every week, we'd still be losing money hand over fist. They've built these facilities and built this stadium, but massively uh, the costs of actually running it, they don't break down what the actual costs are, but they're massive costs. You look at some of the teams in a division and their operating costs with regards to the stadium and regards to fixtures and fittings are half what ours are. And there was, um, again, a breakdown. At one stage, we had like 700 employees. And I know that's come down to about 500-odd now. But we've built these facilities and taken our eye off the ball a little bit, haven't we, really, with the last three or four years with regards to what's actually happening on the, on the pitch. And there could be an argument that the whole redevelopment and the whole high-performance facility, yeah, okay, fantastic. But... We've, um, you know, you've got to actually look at the, the team that's on the pitch. That's what how the club is going to grow, through the team on the pitch, not through fantastic facilities or whatever like that. And, um, yeah, we, we've made a rod for our own back again, really, by generating the figures just don't add up, do they? There's, if, he, if he's on about surely, making the club, the cost sus- of the club sustained... Surely the-, surely the cost of those, if you say that's the operating cost of running the stadium, are we getting into detail finally? Well, it's, it's and, the, the club, the, the operating the, cost of running the club, the club. Or Bristol Sport, and because let's say the operating costs of running <clears> the infrastructure and everything are £25 million. And in terms of mm. pure revenue that comes in through the door, City are doing probably, let's say, 70% of it. They, The football club account for 70% of the revenue. Then, very simplistically, those operating costs, you allocate it. No, Dave, you know, Dave, the, yeah. accounts are, the, the accounts of Bristol City Holdings has got right. nothing to do well, with Well, then that's Bristol a ridiculously Sport. high cost base then, isn't it? So yeah, yes. it is. It's, 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 that's, right. the that, that's the All point, right. Dave. Right, that's no, the point. Okay, that's the point. That's the, that's the point. But let me, just, we've, we've, let created, me we've created a, we've created this situation for ourselves over three or four years where our operating costs are so huge that which goes completely against Lansdowne saying about making us sustainable how well, did you think we were ever going to be sustainable if our operating costs are so bloody large in the first place but he's a finance you know? man and he signs all the checks <laughs> yeah, so he's allowed Dave, it to happen Dave, 
Dave, d- yeah. what you've got to remember, people always come up with this thing about Lansdowne's uh, a finance man. Lansdowne's company, uh, or for a financial investment company, that's where he's made his money, yeah. okay? He's not made a, he's lost his shirt as far as football goes, right? He knows nothing about football. As I've said a few times, John is far more knowledgeable about the game <clears throat> than his dad. Okay, now he's had, and if you if you interviewed him today, what sort of job do you think Mark Ashton did for this club, Steve? He, he'd be great job. Love the bloke. Yeah, but he never wants to admit he's wrong. Yeah, well, there you are. So that might be a That's problem. That's part of the but, problem, but isn't it? If you if you've got a wage bill where we're spending something, was it two hundred and twelve pound for every hundred pound we get? Mm. Well, it's not going to take you very long. And the analogy I use, it's like me owning a, um, a, a business. Um, my uncle Steve gives me a million quid to start the business and comes back in a year's time and says, how are you getting on? And I said, well, I've lost, uh, I've lost two million quid. Well, you only had a million. Yeah, but of course, I've, um, I've gone into the overdraft and I've borrowed some money. And I, I've, of course, you know, we're all, there's four of us here. We're draw all drawing um, 350 grand each. And, uh, you know, so if you could just give me another uh, million and a half quid, we'll start all over again. And for, and, and some said, yeah, okay then. Mm. Because there's been, there's been no control. Now, if you look at the accounts from, let's name the clubs, Luton, Millwall, smaller clubs in Bristol City. Blackpool and Coventry, yeah. Blackpool and Coventry, smaller grounds, Nothing special. If you ever get a chance, go up to Darlington and have a look at their ground. They've got fantastic ground. They've yeah, they bust, and I think they're, I don't even know if they're in the non-league now. No, they, yeah, no, you're right. They did have a fantastic ground, but, and that and was, was a philanthropic same, chairman that was heading them. Yeah. Well, he was the ex yeah, cracker, cracker, wasn't he? <laughs> Alfie Reynolds. So, look, <clears throat> we can go on all we want about it, but uh, to, to coin a, a Nigel, we are where we are. Now, there are people saying to me uh, on social media and in conversations, Pearson's trying to work his ticket. He's trying to get the lands down to say, right, mate, you, you can clear off. Now, it, the reason for Pearson not going can't be um, some of the things I hear people say. Who else are you going to get? That's a popular one. Um, we can't afford to sack him. Well, actually, we can because we can pay him off over the rest of his contract. We don't need to write him a cheque. But when he says, well, no, no, because I'll change the players. I'll get rid of them. Well, when's he done that? The only player he's got rid of is when he signed, which is Danny Simpson. Yeah. Who else has he got rid of? Well, no, that's he true. Got rid of, he ain't got rid of Backinson. He ain't got rid of Taylor Moore. Well, he hasn't. He yet. ain't got no, rid of no. Palmer. I know. And they're all, they're all under contract. And we've got them for another year. So this is where we've got, yeah. we've got to put up. Well, I just want to pick up, uh, get let Mark have a crack, and then we'll talk about who else <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Tomo said, "What?" and I agree with him here, he said, whilst Pearson's very outspoken, I'm not sure he has lost the dressing room. I don't think any has said that today. But he said, I saw him close up under 23 fixtures, and it appears he has good relations with the players. I thought his interaction with the players when he was making the substitutions, and I know you don't look, Ian, or in fact, all of you are over the far side, right? But he had his arm around them. There appeared to be no <coughs> animosity. When Smodics came off, he was not overly happy and he just about touched the hand of uh, Grant McCann. But, you know, it, it's Pearson is having increasingly having a pop at the board. And Mark, do you think he 
as Ian has just said, do you think he's almost trying to force their hand so that he'll make one more comment? Yeah, let's say we lost the next two games, which is quite feasible, right? So his comments are going to become even more terse. Do you think they might pull the trigger, uh, the Lansdowns, to take some of the heat off them? Yeah, I think they they could they could do. I mean, I think Pearson, you know, he's 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 quite a. I think he makes it difficult for for, for people to to read him. I know he, he like he, he, he you know he, he he he's trying he is trying to manipulate the boards. You know, managers have done this for years. Fed stories to the press. Um, what he's doing is is you know he's been the conscience of the club. But the problem is again. He can say that as much as he likes. The mentality of the players is a lot of his responsibility, and the coaches, you know, the players that go on the pitch, the players that he picks, that the way that the way that they go about the game, that's a lot of his responsibility. He, the buck stops with him for that. But yeah, at the moment with his comments, he is on a collision course with the board. But he said exactly what we're thinking. Unless they change their attitude about the way that the cl- the club is run. And it's a soft touch. It's been like this this for years. We're very, like I said, we're very proud of ourselves. All our nice shiny baubles, but we're down the yeah. bottom of the league, and we've, we're not. We've, we, you know, we've only we only threatened the playoffs in the last six years. We got the last time we got in the playoff final was in two thousand and eight. We haven't really. We've only really threatened it slightly since. So we're a club going nowhere at the moment. We've got thirteen thousand season ticket holders that, that we won't have soon next to be, season. Soon to be about the club 10, 10, is 000, going. Yeah. The club is going backwards. The only thing that would, would that would stir the imagination of the fans if there was a the possibility of a new managerial appointment, but then it could go the opposite way because mm. it shows the club in, in free fall that have lost another manager through their own irresponsibility. So I think it would, it would have the opposite effect, but it's just a complete and utter mess. Mm. But yeah, Pearson is trying to manipulate them definitely by what he's saying, but they've got every right to say, it's your responsibility. What goes on? You, you, yeah. pick, you pick the players if you want. Younger players who can who can do it, pick them. Yeah, I mean, just go Neil, and pick them, do it. Yeah, Neil, um, this attitude of players. I mean, I watched uh, about twenty minutes in two short segments of uh, uh, Sheffield United Bournemouth yesterday, and I look at Sheffield United. Okay, they're a parachute payment club that should be doing better, but they're pretty solid Championship sort of team, and and obviously Bournemouth. You know they've 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 got the 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 parachute payments as well, but the athleticism of the Bournemouth players, you know, and and if you like the hardness of the Sheffield United players, you know, we don't display any of those attributes. We've already used the term pedestrian, yeah. So is it it when Pearson says I'll change the players, and Ian's just said. You, he's not done a very good job of it so far, and you know, and is that is that going to change? But if if we were losing, but we were losing, playing with fire and passion, there wouldn't be half the moany comments that there are. So, what is it that they don't show that passion? Well, it's 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 really fine margins in this division, isn't it? I somebody can look up for me. How many games we've lost by one goal? 
this year. Mm. I, I, I can't think of too many seasons, you know, three twos, two ones. Um, well, we've done it games, so I would hazard a guess and say we probably yeah. lost fifteen by the odd goal and five by more. Other, other, other than the West, Br- other than the West Brom away and Birmingham away, which were both three nils, weren't they? Blackpool, uh, 3-1, wasn't it? Yeah. Blackpool, yeah, some of the Fulham. away games, but Fulham, 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 Fulham well, yeah, Fulham have done that to quite a few, Ian, haven't they? Really, at the end of the day, um, yeah. It's, it's fine margins, and in those fine margins, then it comes down to individuals, doesn't it, really? Either individuals taking their chances when we're on top. How many games have we been leading at 1-0 or 2-1, or and to situate, particularly at home, and we've had chances to put the game to bed? And, you know, we were in, we were in the Dolmen yesterday at 1-0, and, it, and we all turned to each other and said, when are we going to relax against this? You know, when they went down to 10 men, he said... Or when they get down, when we get up to about three nil and they're down to nine men, then we can start relaxing. I know. You know, and it's that type, it's that type can of I, mentality, isn't guess, it? You just, you just know that we're not going to. There's something about can, us that everybody's spoken about that there's a mentality that we are there to be got at at the end of the day, and and we can't necessarily. I mean, there's some games that we've, the Derby at home, the Stoke at home, where we've had clean sheets and, and won a game. But generally, we are there to be got at. What I didn't quite understand yesterday was Peterborough. I didn't. What What's the point for Peterborough yesterday? They scored and then they put pretty much everyone behind the ball, and then it was like, oh well, we're happy to stay here for a point. Yeah. And and maybe I thought, they've already well, resigned themselves. Maybe they've already resigned themselves to going yeah. down. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, Andy, possibly. But then, but then, but then, has lost, haven't they? Yeah. Can I just read read something out? This is from a contributor of ours. Uh, Nigel Whittle <clears throat> in December I was crying out for us to get rid of Nigel Pearson and go for Ryan Lowe Preston did we didn't league table 4th of December Preston were below City in 18th today Preston are 12th 8 points off the playoffs since he took over they have played 21 won 8 drew 8 only losing 5 hashtag time for change well, I, I think, think that, that, that defeats the "oh well, who else are you going to get?" argument. Well, I've, and, and I've that got should never I've be got... the reason for keeping an employee because oh well, he's the best we can get. Yeah, but he's useless. Yeah, but you know, everybody else is more useless. I, I, I've, he's had a good go. He's had fourteen months. He's had fifty odd games, and mm. we're in a position where we just can get rid of players. You can't. It's no good saying pay off their contract because that just burns your cash. And by the way, we ain't got any cash. So then what? So I, I, I just get get. I mean, it's like a broken record, isn't it? I mean, it, there's been no bounce under Pearson. There weren't a bounce when he came in. There's not a bounce now. Um, and we the the whole club seems dispirited. And, yeah. and when, when when he made those comments last week. Richard Gould must have been there with his head in his hands when well, he that's read another that. comment. That's another I'm comment. Trying it's to flock season himself, tickets here, mate. Endear himself to the, not, it's not going to endear himself to the Lansdowns. It's almost as if he is working. It's almost as if he is working his um, working that's his cap. Is 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 well, he's not. <laughs> as you say, they don't have to give him a cash settlement if they get rid of him. They can say. No. We'll pay, as you've said, Ian, we can pay the rest of your 18 months. Well, it's more than 18 months, isn't it? It's 22 months. Well, that's irrelevant. They, it's, they, they can do that to manage their 
their cash. Yeah, but there's Curtis Fleming as well. The thing is, right, as you said, we haven't got any, we haven't had the managerial bounce. We don't have a playing identity. This business of playing two men midfield, it doesn't work. We've been calling, getting a side that at least is solid, right? Now you could say, as Niels just said, we've lost most of the games, we've lost by the old goal. But it's the old goal when we've scored two and we've let in three. And you would think mm. with Pearson and Fleming in charge, we'd be bloody hard to beat. And if we didn't have the players in individual positions as specialists, we would set the side up to not concede. And we'd be wouldn't be amongst the top goal scorers. I don't know where you might know this, Ian, how we feature among the top goal scorers in the division. But I, I would say... Bang. We're about, about ninth. About ninth. So looked. we're scoring yeah. goals, right? But if we <clears> stopped, <throat> if we'd have picked up some of those matches that we had lost by the odd goal, and let's say it's 15, right? If we'd have picked up a point in half of those, you know, you're talking, you're not talking many steps at the table, but you're talking probably 15th, 16th up to about 14th with five games to go, there wouldn't be part of the problem. So whilst we have been calling for Pearson to, we, we on this podcast, we haven't been calling for him to go. Yeah. And I think we probably are now. Right. But you know, he's not helped himself by the way he set the side up in, uh, in my uh, opinion. Now, Tomo said on here, he's got friends calling for Pearson's head. Could another manager get any more out of the squad? I 100% believe somebody, we should be getting more out of the squad, which is what John Lansdowne was implying six weeks ago. Um, Mark, you've, you've been sat there listening for a minute or two. Um, you know, do you, do, you, do, you, do you agree with Tomo's view on there that, 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 that could any manager get any more out of them? Because it's, you know, they're ranked bad across the board. Um. Uh, yeah, well, you you think so, but I think you you, you could get more de- more desire out of those out of those players. I, I I think you could get a better mentality. Some of some of them are, are, are have got to go. I mean, some on the periphery like Palmer, uh, we won't see again, and and Thiner, obviously he's, he's on the so, bus as well. Sorry, Mark. I, this is this is sorry to interrupt because you haven't had much of a say today, but. What what do we do? You're saying we, we might we won't see Palmer again, but he's under contract, so and earning a lot of money. So what what do we actually do? Okay, well I'm I'm think I'm I'm thinking aloud there. Yeah, it's the same it's the same pro, same problem he's inheriting. Players who who are on a over a million pound a, a year, uh, you know, wages of over twenty grand a week that uh, we 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 that we he can't sell unless he sells them at a substantial loss because we're not going to pay off their contracts. We'll have to basically we'll have to give them away to to you know or, or take a, a substantial hit. That's the only way that we'll we'll get them off the books. It's the same problem. Yeah, same problem. I agree. Those wages are sucking are sucking the life out out of the club. But he can he could put he could put younger hungrier players. But the other problem is is with his own making. He could have brought he could have brought in uh, a couple of players in on loan, and, and, and he could have got better than, than we have. 
Well, it, I think he could. Mark, let me just could... sorry to interrupt you. I'm going to let you continue there because, interestingly, on I think it was Otib and on Twitter yesterday, there was a few player, a few a few contributors saying about, oh, we shouldn't do loans. What a waste, you know. And it's wrong. They have to go back and they don't perform. And everybody pronounces the crap ones that we got. <laughs> like Donny is the top of their list there. So, you know, we're. <laughs> The fan base is split on this loan thing. Well, but Tommy, you, Tammy, Ab- Tammy Abraham went back, was he? No, but I mean, I mean he, ke- okay, he kept us in the, the he kept us in the division on his own. He, we'd did, been, he did, he did, keep we'd have been relegated without yeah, him. Mark, Mark, you know the loan thing again. <clears> Pearson hasn't helped himself. Okay, he brought in close, who's done okay, right? Why didn't he get a specialist right back? Well, yeah, exactly, and and that's been that's been a problem problem for half a you know for half a season with with Tanner being Tanner being injured, Simpson uh, out the door, and Viner out out of out of favour. There has been no natural right sided defender, uh, you know, that we wanted to pick, and it's just been a succession uh, of, of of players out out of position. You know, even with Jay De Silva playing on playing on the right in in a few games, it's it's just been a mess. But the the like you said, the, the 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 players don't reflect what you think would be the fighting attitude of the manager and and his assistant. You know, who were defenders and yeah. the leadership he showed on the pitch in winning in winning trophies. Uh, you know, He's winning trophies at Sheffield manager, Wednesday yeah. uh, and and playing and playing at Middlesbrough. And no no way. The, the, uh, reflecting what he did in his in his career, that's the crazy thing. The but I think it's now interesting. Pearson, the, the person, and, and, and the players representing. Steve, Steve, sorry, Ian, Steve said oh. on here, and if we'd loaned in players, Mark, we wouldn't have got to the top six and still wouldn't have got relegated, but would have spent pounds. And again, Bristol Red has said again, a loan will incur a loan fee plus a percentage of wages. Do we have the funds? You know, so no, there's no, this, it, okay, there's this, can I? Can I right, answer let me, that? Let me just say, go on, briefly, then, right. and then it's Neil's turn. First of, first of all, Mark Ashton told me um, that we don't pay loan fees. Um, and there were rumours going around we were paying a million pound loan fee for a phobie. That wasn't true. All we paid was his wages, which was substantial. Now, in terms of, well, have we got the funds for loans? Well, we had the, fund, the funds to sign uh, Danny Simpson, Andy King, Nathan Baker. We had the funds to do that, so why haven't we got the funds to sign the kind of loans that Nottingham Forest got? And they're they're doing quite nicely, thank you. Now, in terms of goals, Dave, because you mentioned it, Bristol City have scored 52 goals. So we've scored the same number of goals as Middlesbrough, Huddersfield, um, Sheffield United have scored one more goal. We've scored more goals in Coventry. Yeah. So... We're, and we're close to QPR. They've got 55. Luton have got 59. The, the big difference between us and these other clubs is goals conceded. And there's only two clubs in the division that have conceded more goals than us. And that's Reading and Peterborough. Who uh, Peterborough are likely to go down. It looks like Reading are going to survive unless th- this uh, they get this additional six-point deduction. And I think the way that works, they might get it at the start of next season if they don't hit certain numbers. So, you know, we got to be thankful that uh, these points deductions have happened. Otherwise, we'd really be struggling. And this well, stuff we'd about... be in that. We'd be in the same. We'd be having the same thing that if last season had gone on for another six weeks, we'd have gone down. Fact: the way we were playing, and here we are, pretty much in the same position. Yeah, 
pretty much in the same position this season that if it wasn't for the points to mm-hmm. and we were playing the way we are, we we would be going down. All right, um, let's change and come back to Neil now because we've 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 uh, we've we've witted on here uh, <laughs> as you'd expect. Um, yeah. All right, possible replacements. We said this a couple of weeks ago, or I said this, and everybody went, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, but it's a very Bristol City Lansdowne thing to do. And there's a thread on it on uh, on OTIP. Uh, the return of um, LJ without the influence of Mark Ashton. Neil, your thoughts just on that one? Because the other guy said it will never happen, but there's a few murmurs. No, I, 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 no. In the nicest will in the world. Going back to Ian's point on Ryan Lowe, Ryan, I've got a few friends who are Plymouth season ticket holders, and Ryan Lowe had it in his contract that if any team from the north of England actually approached him, that that, that he would, because he he never moved down from there, and uh, when Preston came in for him, that suited Ryan Lowe at the end of the day. That you know, get, getting somebody to come to Bristol City, a, a a decent manager to, to come to Bristol City, you know, that we're not a particularly sellable club at the moment, are we? You know, how, how are we going to entice anybody to come? But answering answering your question over LJ, I, I can't see it. I mean, he, he'd be coming with already a divisive uh, fan base where, you know, they would say, oh, it didn't end well. How, how The moment it started going wrong again, People would be on his back, so I don't see any benefit to it. He he achieved what he achieved by spending the amount of money that he spent. There's no, you know, he's not gone anywhere else, not spent any money, and actually achieved anything. And and arguably, we're paying the price for uh, that now. I mean, Ian, just I, I don't want Ian to make any comment yet, and I'm sure Ian's read the comments on here. But this business about why loans aren't a bad, why loans aren't a good idea. You've got people on here, Bristol Red, saying most Premier League players have a cost involved and requirement to play a percentage of games. Yeah, like Ryan Kent, he was shit, and he well, and we actually didn't play him. And was that a Lee Johnson signing? Um, you know, um, sorry, Neil, back back. Uh, well, back he he hasn't done bad at Rangers, Dave. No, he hasn't. Yeah, no, that's neither, that's, neither that's has, uh... an awful, awful sound. Didn't we? Didn't we have to pay a fine for Kent? I'm sure yeah, we, we had did. to we pay did. some we, sort. We, we didn't. We, had to pay we, some... we didn't pay him enough right. games. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let that's Tomo. Bad management. Had, oh, he's been and gone again. I wasn't wanted to let Tomo come in. Yeah, because he hasn't been on before because he's never he's never able to. But I'll let Tomo have a little quick chat if you want to drop back in. But okay, sticking with you, Neil. Player, sorry, Pearson goes. Yeah, hmm. um, it's not viable uh we're not a viable club but what about i'll throw a couple of names into the hat and they're bound to feature these two and and you know they would get the lads working and there's two pairs one would never happen and one might and i give you steve cottrell and aaron wilbraham or right <laughs> duff and wade elliott at cheltenham if those two if either of those pairs let's say the summer lands and holds hands up and say look we're in a mess that I'm culpable as the owner of the club we got in a mess but these don't, either of those two duos coming back I don't think anybody would be moaning that much what do you think well I like the Wilbraham thing I'm not I, I'm guessing that Cottrell Leading to what you've said before previously about Lansdowne not really acknowledging mistakes and not really wanting to 
actually say sorry. I think his and Cottrell's relationship didn't end particularly well, did it? No, so at the end of the day, so I'm guessing the the Cottrell Wilbraham thing, yeah, at Shrewsbury. Um, Duff and Wade Elliott. I, I think you always take a chance when you go up. There's there's managers that thrive at in lower league, League One, yeah. League Two. Right. Let's be honest. The championship the championship is a horrible division. It's unforgiving. Isn't it? it's Steve has put on here. One won't happen, which is obviously the cultural thing, and the other is complete yeah. punt. Where's the evidence that Duff can manage at this level? Sorry, Steve. I have to say, where is the evidence that Lee Johnson could manage at championship level all that time ago? Yeah, well, so, he got given a lot of money in support, though, didn't he, well, Johnson? He, he, he did, ultimately, once he got on board, well, certainly when Tammy came in and he had the Codger sale as a benefit. But sorry, Steve, the, we've got form. We've got form from the point of view of trying uh, untried managers at this level. OK, so sticking with you, Neil, if you had to pluck a name, if it was going to happen, somebody... Uh, <laughs> God, give me a <laughs> I know I'm going to say, but I want to let you... Say, uh, have, a, have a little say yourself. Now I'll come to Look, Mark then and then Ian last, and then we'll wrap up. Probably, I would say Paul Warner, Rotherham. Okay, that's you. Right, um, Mark. I, uh, I think he's gone down, he's stayed with the club, and he's got them back up again. And I think that shows a lot of credit to him as a manager. Yeah, the the leap between League One to Championship is horrible. You only have to look at the clubs that do well in League One, come up and go straight down. He's, you know, he's done fantastic with Rotherham. So probably Paul Warren for me. All right. Interesting one. Um, Mark, um, let me forget the the notion of uh, a, a return for Steve Cottrell, aided and abetted by, uh, Wilbraham, by uh, Wilbraham. But the fans would like that. Yeah. Um, what about Duff and Wade Elliott, who was shat on a bit by uh, Lee Johnson. I always felt Elliott had a lot to offer with all his championship experience, a lot to offer behind the scenes and was uh, was let go. So there, there's a couple of names there. Anybody else you'd like to throw into the mix? In the unlikely event that Pearson isn't in charge come July the 30th, which is the opening day of the season, a week earlier than normal, I believe. Mark? Um yeah, I think I think Wade Elliott sort of, sort of stayed around as a as a as a coach. I think he was he, he was with with Pemberton, wasn't he? Um, but as soon as Johnson arrived, he was he was virtually out the door. I think we we we've learned a lot from his experience, and he was a great signing. Him and Will Braham, and you know the players that we signed in in the summer of two thousand and fourteen were, were were absolutely terrific in terms of their fight. And Aaron Wilbraham. Um, you know what a fantastic free signing! I think he didn't didn't Cotron meet him in a hotel in Dubai. Supposedly it seems yeah. like a fairy tale, doesn't it? I don't know where yeah. it's made made up. But in theory, you know, I mean, uh, Duff and uh, and um, Elliot's star is on the rise. They you know they've they've done very well to get uh, Cheltenham into into League One and they're they're mid table. But in terms of a manager whose star is on the rise, you know, he, he looks like he looks like a rock star. Sing, sings in a band, and he is scraped from the bottom of the uh, league two to get his team, you know, on, in, yeah. uh, into the playoff final, into the championship, and back in contention for playoffs would be somebody like Gareth Ainsworth. Ainsworth. He is used to getting the getting to, to uh, uh, he, he's made he's made of silk purse out of a sow's ear for the last few seasons. Good suggestion. Good suggestion. No, I like, yeah, no, these are all names that, you know, because we all thought, we had this illusion. We, had, I think we all felt as fans that when we were getting Pearson, it was a bit like everybody felt when they got Koppel. 
and that went tits up because the man, the chairman, went out and signed David James allegedly. But there we go. The, only, uh, the problem is, is though, is it's, it's the, 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 the man, you know, the, the, the way the club's got to change its 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 focus is as well. They've got to have some sort of strategy. Otherwise, you, you won't be able to bring the players in. I, I mean, I think if the players were no motivated, difference. if the players were motivated and on their toes and everything like that, it really doesn't matter what the Lansdowne's do because it's a bit like a benign dictatorship. They're there. They bail us out in the way that Ian used that analogy that, oh, here's some more. Yeah, we're wasting money, but I got so much that I'll chuck a bit more in there. What have you? Taser said on here, we're not doing realistic suggestions then. Come on then, give us one yourself, Taze. Let's have a couple of ideas of yours rather than sitting there saying we're being unrealistic. Okay, Ian, um, no ways Cottrell coming back. Um, um, Duff and Elliot, we've had Ainsworth thrown into the mix as well. Who who, who would, would be, would get your approval, your Ian approval rating? What I'd like to see us do is go abroad and bring in, and we want a coach. We don't want an old-fashioned manager. We need a coach that can get the best out of modern players. And I actually um, sent a tweet. I mean, Jimmy Manns just suggested Mark Robbins, who's done a good job at Coventry, and he's used to this division. Coventry plays some nice football. So that that might be an idea if we're going to go for a younger, what I'll call a uh, younger coach. But, uh, but he'd, suggest... he'd come with a cost, though, Ian, wouldn't he, unfortunately? Well, you'd have, it depends what he's earning, and you'd have to pay that off. But uh, I, I would I would probably go go abroad uh, to Spain or Germany, Italy, and bring in, the set, for example, the second-in-command at Borussia Dortmund or somebody of that ilk. I mean, if you look at um, look who Huddersfield got, they went and got Bielsa's assistant at Leeds. Now, he wouldn't yeah. be earning a fortune. Um, and, and I know that Huddersfield in Leeds, is, there's a geographical closeness there, which obviously made it easier because he didn't have to start shifting his family all over the country. Um, and we are a little bit of an outpost down here, but look at what he's got to work with. Um, yeah. So but I, I think we need a coach, uh, not an old style, old fashioned style, kick him up the backside manager. Uh, but, um, but... And, but, and, and I, I tweeted a number of names Um Oh God! But I, 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 I will find it on my timeline, and I'll yeah. retweet it to you, Dave. And you might be able to read it out next week. All right, have a look. Have a look. Have a look there. But, Tay, uh, sorry, but, he said he was referring to Matt seventy eight suggestion of Michael Carrick. Then he used to play in a group in the seventies. No, that was Paul Carrick, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, Paul Carrick. Uh, Michael was, Carrick is the Man United. But again, yeah. I think yeah, if he came in, he walks in the dressing room. Is the Man United bloke Carrick and Lip? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, if he walks into the dressing room, it's a bit like Joe Jordan was put in charge of a side, but when he walks in and he's played for Leeds, Man United, AC Milan, Sampdoria, and he says, you jump, you bloody jump, don't you? Yeah, from that perspective. Um, Oh, right. Uh, What else have we got on here? Who do the recruit? Yeah, who would do the recruiting? Yeah. Um, The recruitment, that's my fear with the recruitment, is that the same people are doing it. But let's just focus on recruitment for about two minutes. Firstly, Pearson's recruited eight players. Okay? Yeah. That's 73% of the team. Now, he couldn't play four of those players yesterday because three are injured and one is one he's, he's had to let go. Yeah. So he could only play four. 
So how, I'd be saying, well, how many more do you want? And why is any, can anybody tell me why they're confident that we can recruit well this summer when it's the same people doing the recruitment as we had do it last summer? And yeah. I think volume apart, last summer's recruitment was pitiful. So please, somebody, I'll shut up now. Please, somebody, tell me well, why, why yeah, it's going to get better. If anybody wants to contribute on the text, please say why we yeah. should trust. And that's a conversation that we had. That's a conversation that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, would we trust him with the money, even if he did sell any of our assets? Again, I, as we I said, wouldn't, on the based, on, based on what he signed. Look, you give any manager multi, multi, multi millions and... In the same way that a broken clock's right twice a day, you'll get one or two right. But we yeah. our, our are well, that's part of Everton's problems. Be, well, yeah, I mean, does that scattergun effect? So yeah. we're not getting Clubs in the we're bag. not getting ahead of recruitment. Clubs we're in not the bag. getting a director we're not getting a director of football. No. So what is gonna happen? Answers on a postcard, please. No, actually you can do it on Twitter, whatever. Answers on a postcard. What is going to happen to make it suddenly improve? This is the bit I I don't understand when people tell me about, you know, that, that, oh, well, next season it'll be great. Because basically we haven't got any money. He doesn't like loans. And if you look at the players he signed, we got we really really got last summer. Well, the thing is, I think the thing is, apart, we got yeah, it I wrong. think the thing is now it's not been great for a number of years, and for the last two, it's gone backwards. And thank God that this season we haven't done what we did in twelve thirteen, and this badness uh, has got us relegated. Now, you know, if we have another season like it next season, God help us. I'll drop a couple of other names in uh, into the box. Um, Mark Warburton, QPR. Yeah, and don't think too many people would argue if he came in. He's got a modernist approach and he can do, he likes to be involved. That's why he left Brentford when they started to tell him who to sign a little bit more. And he's retired now, but, you know, one last hurrah from Neil Warnock. Ain't going to happen. That one didn't. Um, let's talk about the Easter games very quickly. Do we want to do, do we want to do a podcast after Stoke or should we do one after both games? Oh, yeah. I, I I don't mind. I'll do one after yeah. Stoke if you if you want, Dave. On that. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. Ruin our ruin. Anyway, all right, Neil. Um, two Easter games coming up. Um, Stoke away, Sheffield United at home. Mm, two more defeats or two draws. What do you think? It's not looking great at the moment, is it? God, I don't know where to go with that question, Dave. <laughs> after yesterday, you can't see anything, can you? I mean, Sheffield United. Luckily, Sky haven't chosen the Sheffield United game to show to the wider audience how particularly bad we are. Hang really, on. Have they? Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This, right. this, is quite, this is quite how low we have got. Let's, let's just show the rest of the world. Um, I thought it was on the Horror Channel. Yeah, it's really, you know, you're just there. There's, there's a sense of impending doom, isn't there? There really is. You know, it's yeah. just like the music in the background. Um, I, I can't. I mean, Stoke are even worse than us, really, in terms of form, aren't they? Really, I don't well, know what. West Brom yesterday. Well, there we go. Then. There we there go. We go. So yeah. you don't. All right, you don't want to. You don't want to. Make I, I, I can't. I can't see. I can't see more than say a point or perhaps a win against Hull. But for me, did. yesterday when Pearson went, oh, I think everybody wants the season to end. I want the season to end. And you're like, oh, brilliant. That's only five games to go with even the manager, the players and the fans all wanting the season to end. 
Yeah. So in terms of actually motivating the players to go out to Stoke or at home to Sheffield United to actually get a result, when mathematically I think it's only Barnsley that can go above us. They're 16 points behind us. They've got six games left. So they need to win all six or it's um, five and a draw. And, uh, well, we're up. Yeah. So we're on the beach, aren't we? We are. No, we are, sadly. Um, Mark, any, any, any hope in the next two games where you're sitting? Well, this, this time last week, Ian and I were, were talking about the points from the remaining six games. Ian said 10 and I said 9. Now, based on yesterday's performance and not the last half an hour against Bournemouth, I'm going to say no points because we just didn't show the mentality that we, we wanted to win. And that is awful for professional footballers. Uh, you know, we've got we're trying to preserve their place in the championship, albeit with three sides that look like relegated. That isn't good enough. So it looks like it's going to be an empty-handed Easter. And uh, so there, there you go. I can't be any more positive than that. Sorry. No, well, it's not very positive at all, is it? <laughs> finally, Ian. And finally, Esther. Finally, Ian. Um, <clears throat> Happy I Easter. Us, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see us picking up a point, but it. It's the most city thing when you think we're going to lose both both games, we'll win one of them. Um, I think the Sheffield United, the Sheffield United home game is is a is a possible one we could win, but they've got something to go for. We're manby pamby, um, so the chances are the team that wants it the most, and it will definitely be them. Um, and I'm assuming with all this, it Callas isn't coming back this season because it there seems to be radio silence about um, about Thomas. Yeah, moment. probably wasn't so, even at the game yesterday. Probably up in London. No, again. I, I, I don't know what I don't know what's going on. I mean, they haven't even been clear about the, what the injury is. It seems like it's a, a combination of, of playing injured for the last two years. And and you know, I'd have a lot more time for the lad if he hadn't trooped off and pl- and played for the Czech Republic so much. Yeah. Because if if you're not fit, you, your body needs to rest. I mean, by all means, if if you're fit, and I know professional footballers aren't. 100% fit and they do play through minor injury but he's now got to a point where it looks looks like his body's just said look enough's enough pal and I don't know whether we'll see him again this season I hope we do he, he's without doubt our best defender um, and he is a player that leads by example I don't think he, he's not a shouter in bowler which is why he wasn't much of a captain but he, he is a leader by example and we can't afford. I mean, the, once again, these players have only got, um, I think it's 20, ooh, 22, 23. No, we're in that. No, it'd be 23, 24. We've got 16 players out of contracts and he's one of them. So th- there's a lot of lot of thinking. No, to, I'd, to I'd, I'd say I'm, it's I'm assuming with, with what I'm saying, I'm assuming two things. I'm assuming that we've got full availability and that Cundy didn't go off yesterday because he was injured. Um, and we've got, um, uh, you know, we've, we've basically got what we've got, less the players that we probably won't won't see again this yeah. season, you know, your Bakers, your Kings, um, and things like that. So, yeah. no doubt is another so we one. might get, we might get something. Well, we, we live, we live in, yeah, uh, we, you know, we might get, we might get, a, look, we, we live in hope. All right, guys, look, it's a lovely, we're recording this Sunday morning. We've had a long uh, chanter, lots of people listening in, giving their comments. Sorry, we're not being able to answer them all. Um, I'm actually got a call from Radio Bristol, so I'm 
actually going into the Radio Bristol studio for the first time in about 30 years tomorrow. So uh, I'll be on there. I didn't get invited to the HPC Centre, but then we're not part of the in-crowd at the FBC podcast. We are the Millwall of the Bristol City podcast. No one likes us. We don't care. Although, thank you to the 600, 700 people that do download us uh, regularly. Thanks to my contributors today, Ian, Mark and Neil. Have a great day, all of you, and uh, we'll see everybody, or we'll talk to everybody again very soon. All the best, everybody. Cheers, luck all. Cheers, then. Bye now. Cheers, all. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Have a good day. I'm feeling happy today. Gonna put my cares in a whistle. Blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy. As happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up, get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the river robins are bubba-bubbing along.